0: Scott, did you see the rally towels that Grizzlies are handing out during the playoff series? They say mem this. Mem
1: this? More like Steven Adams'
0: mem-missing playing time. Or more like mem-swiss, cheese, because their defense has so many holes in it. You
1: know, I think they've been playing like mem-piss. welcome to episode 191 of Wolf's cast the podcast that hurt to its knee and is going back to the locker room wait wait a second never mind we're not it's hosted by myself and my good friend I'm Scott I'm Robert hey everybody welcome to Wolfs cast uh, I know we're a couple days late usually it's a Friday uh, drop and we're dropping this on Monday but let me promise you that you'll be much happier that we recorded after game four instead of cool. after game three of this Memphis series because uh, I think Big most time. of us, most of us were kind of in a dark place after Game Three. Like uh, I had, I definitely had to like disconnect myself from basketball for like twenty-four hours. Like. No highlights of the other games, no watching another playoff series. I saw one of my favorite, uh, I'm, I'm sure I've given this a Wolfie, is that Jason Concepcion has a series called mm-hmm. All Caps All Caps NBA. It's kind of like the NBA desktop successor. And I, I couldn't even watch the Friday episode. I had to wait until after game four because I was just, yeah I couldn't even hold the thought of basketball in my heart. I was so shaken up by that Definitely
0: game. Definitely didn't want to consume much national NBA media. Oh, no. I mean, Friday.
1: Nor- Normally, I don't even like to do that, just because how, of how badly they treat the Timberwolves. But I just saw some of the stuff that like Barkley was saying, and I was just like so mm-hmm. angry. I couldn't take it. And the thing is, like, you can't even really say anything back because you did play that terribly. You know, they're like your team t- right. really did s the bed. And uh, I know that you were at the game, so I'll get your take I on was. that for a second. I was going to, we're not doing Wolfies, but I was thinking about awarding myself a Wolfie because I had tickets to go with you and Neil. And I caught COVID last weekend. And it's my mm. first time catching COVID. And, you know, I boosted. I've got all my vaccines, of course, all up to date. And so by midweek I was already like feeling pretty good again. But uh I, I still knew I was in that kind of isolation quarantine zone area. So even though I was feeling good, I chose heroically to not go to the playoff game. And uh, you know, a friend of the podcast, Alex Connor over here got my ticket, so I'm glad he still got a Go and see it, but man, I was sitting at home watching how crazy it looked on TV, and, and I even with the outcome of the game, I kind of feel like I missed out. How was it there on uh, Thursday? Was it?
0: Uh, our section was pretty insane. Um, most of us, we were kind of to the side of the basket in the lower level. Most of our section stay was standing the entire game, which I'd never done before. Um, usually. You know, there's not a lot to stand for. And this is my first playoff game. So, um, energy in our section was great. Um, Obviously, as things started, particularly the fourth quarter, as things started to unravel, the energy was sapped from the building. Uh, So, it was a pretty surreal experience. Um, I mean, certainly not a game I'll ever forget. But at the same time, I try to take the long view of a, a collapse like Game Three and be like, "This is a young team. What if they learn from this and it prevents future losses? Like, what if this loss could mean wins in the future potentially?" And that remains to be seen if that'll happen. But you know, just trying to take a spin a positive out of what the, certainly the national media was framing as just like the worst loss in nba history and embarrassing for basketball and oh all that.
1: the one who made me so angry was draymond with his post-game cross like, yeah. you can see not everyone's built for the playoffs it's like shut up draymond nobody's yeah. you know it's easy for you to say that now after the past decade you've had you know but you play with three
0: all-time greats
1: uh, yeah exactly and like hey draymond's a fun guy he's a great player you know so i'm not i'm not too angry about it but it's just like man you, you forget what it was like to be on the other side of this pretty quick don't you draymond you know yeah. I remember not so long ago when the the Warriors were the ones who had to prove themselves in the playoffs. But I do think uh, that was one of my – man, I, I did not see a lot of silver linings. I was in a pretty dark place after this loss. But that was one thing I thought of, and it kind of even ticked me off a little bit, but it was like how the Grizz had said after game one uh, when we beat them in, in Memphis and just, oh, what a great moment. We'll get to that too. Uh, but after game one, Ja Morant, I think it was, said like, yeah, well – you know last year we beat the Jazz in Utah game 1 and then we lost in 5 you know and so mm-hmm. he, he was just kind of like we've you know gone through that experience and so we know better than to overreact to this and i was just thinking about that if that were to happen to wolves you know like we won game 1 and then lost game 3 at home which really felt like a winnable game and to give up a winnable game like that you're just like man is this a series if it is a series what does that mean and i was just thinking like yeah that is kind of you know the cliche but everyone's it and so it must be kind of true in that you don't understand what the playoffs are like until you get there and you kind of need that experience of getting your butt beat in the first round or so to kind right. of understand the different level of intensity and I, I do think that like the the tough losses we've had in the series really emphasize maybe next year when we get back what you know eventually when we do lose these playoffs or win the championship whatever happens (laughs) next year we get back and we'll we'll have a little bit more experience about like oh yeah game one when you get up by or in the playoffs when you get up by 20 you have you can't let your foot off the gas at all or anything like that you know exactly nothing guaranteed you have to play every single minute because i mean we got up to you know two 20 different 20 point leads <laughs> and uh crazy b- yeah and blew them both and, and and especially the way that throughout the series it seems like we've been really bad at finishing quarters you know and it's like yeah
0: yeah even even uh we were recording this on a sunday but even even last night for game four we'll just couldn't close quarters very well they got the lead up to I mean we'll go more in depth into game four here in a second but that has been a bugaboo is they they've gotten leads but then to close out quarters it's always been like a 7-0 run or something like that that just takes away all the momentum
1: and it's even just like you know talking about yesterday's game four like that game like even though it was seemingly sealed with the free throws and stuff we had first dylan brooks hit that crazy like inbound pass three from the corner to uh, mm. make it so that cat it was like five seconds left so cat had to hit the next two free throws and then even though we were up by four with time expiring desmond oh. sunk that crazy shot at the end and ants like halfway challenged it
0: and right I was yeah. like, why are you
1: doing this no
0: richard, richard jefferson
1: i was watching the espn broadcast and richard jefferson was just screaming don't contest it don't
0: get yeah you it. should should be like off the court. You should be like sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor. Like, yeah,
1: he, he said during cat's free throws. He's like, if he makes this, the Timberwolves should just walk to the locker room afterwards. like Exactly. Don't get tested. This game's over. So uh I thought that was pretty funny. I I tweeted that I had some problems with Richard Jefferson's uh, takes. He wasn't the best, which is kind of weird because I I generally like Richard Jefferson, but uh he had some dumb takes yesterday's game, but. Maybe that's just having to do with being the national media. It's kind of interesting. I'd rather watch the Bally feed with Jim Pete and Dave Benz, which I did for Game 2 because Game 2 is mm-hmm. on NBA TV and blacked out. But uh, the Bally app is just so unreliable that I'd much rather watch the YouTube TV is the app I use on my uh, yep. Apple TV to watch it and you can record it and then that way even if I'm watching live I can pause it, rewind it, that kind of stuff. And so like it's just so much more reliable. I'll, I'll choose to watch the ESPN or TNT broadcast over Bally even though I don't get D- Jim and Dave just because the Bally experience is so unreliable. Jim Pete was on fire last night. Oh he man, was- I uh, it, it, once again, screw you, Bally, because I would love to hear Jim <laughs> Like, God, I, I'm upset that I missed it, but it's just like that app breaks so often when you're watching games.
0: Yeah, I got lucky last night. I was worried that there was going to be a ton of traffic and it was going to crash, but it was pretty smooth sailing, and I'm thankful I probably would. I was – that's probably – game four is probably the most tense I've ever been in a watching a Wolves game for like – the, enti- the entirety of the game Because yeah. Wolves had like a 15 point lead At one point but and I think like late in the second, maybe Memphis came back and was up like one or something like that. Yeah, but then I, from then on, it was like always within like six or seven.
1: Oh, uh, so yeah, such a great game, it's, it's really a great series. But I know what you're talking about. I think it was like we went up 15 points, it was 50 to 35, and then like two minutes later, it was like 52 to like 47. <laughs> like they got it back quick. Yeah, oh man, I mean, Desmond Bain was insane last night, but. Let's yeah, go ahead, geez. I guess, uh, before we do we want to dive more into Game 4 and then just talk about... Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Game 4 because we're already kind of talking about it. Uh, uh, great crowd. Again, I was worried uh, after, you know, Game 3 kind of... Hist- See, my personal experience was I got so hyped for Game 3. Like, I was having so much fun yeah. in my basement, especially because it was like... We beat them at home. Now, if we we beat them in game three, we're going to be up 2-1 with another, you know, it just felt like, oh, man, this is going to be really hard to beat us if we beat them in game three. And those two different 20-point leads, I mean, when you're going on these runs, and that's the whole game three it was just crazy runs by both teams, unlike game four, which is a lot closer but these these crazy runs that you get so euphoric you know and, and the whole crowd is going crazy and i remember when uh we built our second 20 point lead because it's a blow to the gut oh man we dropped this 20 point lead oh that sucks then the second half uh you know i think the the high point was we got that 20 point lead back with d doing this cool crossover kick out to Jaden McDaniels who hit the three and I screamed yeah. so loud and like I was just jumping up and down in my basement screaming and it was just euphoric like I was saying earlier and that huge energy being up made me crash really hard when we, we lost you know it, it was doubly kind of like a gut punch for me because I was so emotionally involved so with game four I was sitting at home and I didn't let myself like like the uh, like cat likes to say don't let yourself get too high after wins or too low after losses. You've been hurt before, right? Exactly. And so like I did not let myself get up high, like go too high or too low in my emotions. Like for game four, the whole time I was just like, if we got up to like that fifteen point lead, I was just like, just wait, don't celebrate, you know, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So uh, I think that that was a lot more like an emotionally stable way to watch game four. How are you feeling about that?
0: Um. So. I felt for Game Four. I definitely felt like the Wolves needed to kind of, in a way, kind of exercise some demons a little bit. Not only from Game Three, but one of my themes of the entire season has just been like the wo- It's hard to it's hard to believe that the Wolves have turned a corner when the entire history of the franchise is the only corner that they turn is to more mediocrity and like humiliation. Like it's just hard to get past that as a, as a long time Wolves fan and to actually believe that like, Hey, this is going to be a good team that you can, that you can believe is going to win most of their games and stuff. It's just hard to get past all that, that history. So I was skeptical coming into game four, definitely felt like, It was going to be a huge gut punch. Game three was such a gut punch. Um, But at the same time, it's almost like, okay, the worst is over with, you know, we, we, we had one of the most epic collapses in playoff history. It's over. Let's just, let's just move past it. And it seemed like Finch did a great job of getting them past that and just being like, Hey, whatever, let's move on. Um, and they did that. They played really well. Um, I thought, I almost wonder if game three hadn't have happened, and especially with all the cat stuff, does cat come out and play the way he played in game four? Like, does he have that same sort of determination and that same kind of focused energy? That he had, yeah, he he re- reined in that stray voltage. It was very focused voltage. Yes, uh,
1: yeah. I mean, that's a that's a great point um, because yeah, cat was definitely a man with a mission game four did not, you know, with very, very, very few exceptions. He did not engage with the refs or get into it with, you know, the head games or anything like that. And he obviously had a great game. He needed to, I'm so grateful that he did because you know, how hard he takes it when the national media is on him. <laughs> so yeah, that's like the
0: weight of war,
1: weight of the world on his shoulders. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> like, like- it, it just goes to show everyone's ready to trash him. Like Draymond's comments are the kind of the same thing. It's like, people really want cat to fail. And, uh, that kind of stinks you know <laughs> that he's I mean some of it says he's put himself in that position with the people he's rubbed the wrong way but it just is weird how it feels like a lot of people want to s on cat you know
0: <laughs> yeah so, and I don't I don't see a, I don't see a ton of people in the national media you know crapping on John ja Morant or Jaron Jackson Jr. or anything like that after they've you know they didn't have they haven't had as poor games as cat had in game three but Ja's been has been bad. I mean uh, he's he's been distributing all right, but he's been he hasn't been the kind of factor that we thought he was gonna be. At least, especially after game one when he was just all over the place and getting the line like twenty times and oh, Jaron Jackson Jr. has been yeah. Jaron Jackson Jr. has he's been bad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's been kind of like the shocking part of the series is that you know, those are kind of their two big guys, you know, and maybe uh it, it, I don't know. It shows the depth of Memphis, which just obviously huge strength. They obviously went like 20 and three or 20 and five without jaw in the lineup. This yeah, year Or man. something like that. And you could see why. I mean, one, let's give it up for the hometown boy, Tyus Jones, just like oh. reminding us all the greatness that Tyus is. Like such a steadying force. I can't believe he missed that open three at the end of the game. He I was, was seven of 10 in the series from three before that shot. So
0: he was shooting 70% from three and it was wide open. So it was just like, I was sure that was going down. The entire, the entire series when he's made these threes, I've just been like, every time I've been like, where was this when you were in Minnesota, when you were shooting, you know, like 28% from three or whatever uh, uh, all these
1: years? Neil and I used to have season tickets, and this guy behind us would always scream at old Timberwolves who came back. Go, you couldn't do that while you were here! <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel good for him just because Tyus, it's hard not to root for that kid. But man. He's going to
0: get paid this summer, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was kind of the game of the backup guards with j Also having like this was this well game four should be remembered as the J Mac game. I mean, Towns was yes. J Mac saved our butts so many times. Uh, Yeah, little J Mac, little J Mac. That's right, Uh, Jordan McLaughlin. Everybody who I you know I'll eat crow and say like I mean. I've I've never been anti Jordan McLaughlin, but I've have on the pod a couple times said like I think we overreact about the importance of Jordan McLaughlin. I'm just like you know he's he's fine guys, but like everyone acts like oh he, he would go get snapped up somewhere else if we didn't pay him. And I'm just like no, he's much closer to like replacement value than he is something special. But man, I got to eat my words. I got to say it publicly. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin, thank you. You saved you know kind of saved the season there in some ways. So yeah, I
0: mean I think about it like. How much would you have paid – so Jordan McLaughlin is making, what, like three or $4 million this uh, probably year? Probably a little less, something yeah. Something like that. How much would you have paid him this year if you knew that he would – I mean, single-handedly win is – that's overstating it, but he would be like a key contributor in a, a key playoff game. Like, would you have paid him like double what you paid him? The, I mean, forgetting all the cap – all that stuff. Sure. It's just, no, no, I know. It's just saying. crazy to get that kind of value out of a guy who's like basically on like a minimum, and so he true. basically won you a playoff game, a key playoff game, and now you're right back in the series. It's it's crazy to think about it. He just provides a different look that Beverly and D'Lo don't provide. He pushes the ball so hard. He's much more of like he's got that kind of irritant quality that Pat Bev does, but in a much different kind of style. Um, and and he has, geez, he has he made a his great, threes.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, in a night where Beasley couldn't even get any playing time, really. Um, I it
0: was um, huge. I I heard, yeah. So I was listening to the, to Alan Horton, the radio broadcast after the game, and he said that Beasley uh, sprained his ankle at shoot around. Oh, okay. Sort of up in the air if he was going to play or not. So not entirely surprising that he was a non factor. Given how questionable it was that he was going to play, so hopefully he's got a couple of days off. He'll be back to go, good to go uh, for for game five. Yeah, but we, we need him. Uh, but I mean, but somebody from the bench needed to step up, and it was it was mac JMac. Oh man, just a legendary performance. Always going to remember that one. But and you got to feel good about like the post game stuff where. Cat is saying like he was the MVP of the game, and Ant's doing like media with him and just totally giving him all sorts of love. You got to feel good for that guy. And he's doing it on national TV and probably the most, I mean, at least for NBA nerds, like the most watched series probably right now.
1: Yeah, it's definitely Um, been the best, you know, just in terms of like, you know, say what you will about how hard game three was and stuff, but it's been so competitive uh, the whole series, except for game two, which. You know, I guess uh, we could take kind of a broad overview quickly about the larger series. Game one
0: kind of. Might Seems be- so long ago.
1: Yeah, I know. And it's it's amazing. I love this playoff thing where, you know, we're not super used to it, but like this whole, you know, you get to see the matchup kind of evolve and develop, you know, you have to make changes to for game two and then make changes to the changes for game three and stuff and. You know, I was saying, Ja, you know, has had a bad series after Game One, but you know, Cats had a lot of bad games too. It's just like how the how you react to the defense is like taking away everything you like to do. Because Ja, Game One was just like get to the paint and and draw any kind of body contact you can while throwing up a shot and just go to the line, and it just like worked for him in Game One. But since then, he's been really bad when he's not getting those calls and stuff. There's been a lot of like, uh, you know, bad possessions for him, and so like. I think like game 1 was obviously just like amazing. Uh, I can't believe it. I'm still like I ugh. May uh, because you come off the Clippers game and that was amazing, and then you get into game one on the road in Memphis and it felt like pretty pretty sure. I mean it was a close game because of all the free throws, but it felt like the Wolves really had the momentum and had control of that mm-hmm. game for most of the game. And then you come back in game two and you just get your pants blown off because by the Grizzlies, especially like I felt like the f- the fouls were so bad in game two. Like I remember game two, this third the second half started, third quarter started, and we got three fouls in forty five seconds, and it was just like okay, yeah, uh, there were, there were
0: twenty fouls. In the first quarter or
1: something like that. Yeah, it yeah, and like it's been such a ugly. weird series for whistles too, because like last night's game started at nine and went past midnight because of so many whistles. You know? And yeah,
0: there were. I think the Grizzlies committed forty fouls. Wow, and the Wolves like twenty something. So yeah. yeah, I mean we all. I mean, anyone who's paid attention to these two teams knew that was probably going to happen. And I mean, it was going to be fouls and free throws. And it's it's lived up to that. And then some, especially last night for Memphis, that was crazy that all five of their starters, like by the end of the first half, had all of them had at least two. Yeah. Most had three. It and then obviously something taylor jenkins was not pleased about
1: uh no i heard i heard that him and brooks both went off against the refs in their post-game press conferences so i'm sure they'll both be paying some money you know they couldn't believe it they're like the refs have been giving us the golden whistle through the first three games i looked it up the total fouls were just so heavily in memphis's favor you know and you could say you know like i often do in pine uh, that uh opine that the refs are on the take against the timberwolves or you can take a neals <laughs> kind of perspective which is the wolves aren't doing the things they need to to draw fouls or settling for jump shots not driving stuff like that but uh it, it is stark you know and i do think it's funny it's like the one time this series the wolves got more fouls than the grizzlies the grizzlies players all just fall apart complaining in the post
0: game <laughs> yeah but i mean the the old adage is that the refs the refs are always going to reward aggressiveness like controlled aggressiveness and you saw that in game one when cat was when back you know way back all those you know days ago it seems like so much longer that adam stephen adams was guarding cat and cat was just driving 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 and getting the paint at will and ant was attacking relentlessly and they got to the line a lot more then game two and three it that aggression just seemed to kind of evaporate uh, for the most part, especially game two. Um, all of a sudden the, the, there's a hard double coming at Kat um, by two like kind of longer rangier uh, four types And he's frustrated by that. He's not going to the rim. He's getting in foul trouble. Ant just is settling for jump shots. And beyond those two, Wolves really don't have anybody else who can get to the rim uh, who really attacks. I mean, Delo's a perimeter guy. Pat Bev a little bit, but he's not the guy that you want, you know, It's been crazy this series
1: that, like, I feel like Jaden and V8 Vanderbilt are both at the rim a lot, but they just don't ever draw fouls. Yeah, like how many times have we seen V eight get his
0: dunks blocked? You know, and like a lot of uh, or just or just taken out of his hands. That's right, that's been a big it's, it's a big thing. And and Van and uh, Big J Mac has he's he's had some good defensive spots, and he had a great third quarter in that in Game Three. Yeah, I but think he led the, the team
1: plus-minus maybe in Game 3. So, like, he's had some great moments, I agree, especially on defense. But, uh, yeah,
0: he's not he's not getting to the line, that's for sure. No, and for the most part, he's been really uneven offensively. Mm-hmm. Just has been able to punish, other than that, you know, that Game 3 um, really has been able to punish uh, teams for leaving him open in the corners and hasn't been able to drive that much. And, I mean, just the bench as a whole was – has been pretty pretty bad um yeah made worse when you
1: look at the depth that
0: Memphis has you know bringing in like uh, yeah, I mean, everyone obviously, they the- bring in is just there's really no like weak links that you can look at and be like, okay, we can go with that guy. Yeah. And the most like- you can hope for is like you're going to get Xavier Tillman like fouling a bunch of people or something, you know? Like
1: pretty much yeah. all the backups are very solid on that.
0: But team. man, they I have just been so impressed with them, especially after game four when it was just like they would just not go away. They were so good at. You know, like Ant would make. I think Ant made like this some crazy, you know, like lefty spinning layup or whatever. And then Dylan Brooks just came right back, right down the floor after a make and made a layup just to shut everyone up. And
1: oh, yeah. Tyus
0: has done a ton of those where he's made a three after like a an Ant three or something like that. They just they have a great sense of timing in terms of their shot making, and they make good decisions when when they feel like momentum is getting away from them a little bit and they just kept it close and kept it close. And they, they really made the Wolves earn that win, which made it even more impressive in my mind and potentially beneficial moving forward is to oh, yeah. squeak out a game like that where, where Memphis really made you earn it the entire time um, I mean, from start to finish. Yeah, I was thinking when you are saying that of the two Pat
1: Bev missed free throws at the end of the fourth. Yeah. And, uh, they got that rebound, and Ja just drove it straight for like an open layup, basically. I mean, Cat was there, but Cat was trying not to foul. So it was just like, you know, not only did Pat Bev miss two free throws, but then Ja scored the ball within two seconds. It was like, oh. Yeah, just, I'm
0: just thinking down the stretch, like Dylan Brooks made some crazy lefty layup. He made that corner three. Yeah, he was a full um, alarm fire. It was, was just... They just would not go away, and they had no no real lull. After yeah. I mean, after that 15-point lead, after they broke that down, it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, I mean, regardless of who they had on the floor, like Brandon Clark has just been such a killer. Like oh, for the entire yeah. game, I was like, is this guy ever going to miss? Um, it just, they had just so many solid players who can hurt you and play the right way. And yeah, I've just, they're, they're a really tough team. And I, I just, I think about both the teams and also just Ant and Ja, like, I wonder if they're looking at this series and they're like, great, I've got, I've got these guys for the next 15 years or whatever, Yeah, you know, just, Absolutely. I mean, kind of sowing the seeds of what could be, you know, a big time rivalry for the NBA coming, moving forward.
1: Yeah, I, I've always kind of felt that way about the Grizz and the Wolves over the last while, just because they both kind of been in similar positions. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this rivalry. We're going to take a quick break for a sponsor, but then uh, stick around, kids, because on the other side, we'll keep continuing to uh, keep continuing, everybody. We'll continue to uh, uh, talk about the series and kind of uh, more of an eye on what's coming. So, stick around. There's nothing like friendly rivalry between two playoff teams, but sometimes things can go too far and we lose ourselves within the passionate throes of spirited competition. That's why Wolvescast is proud to have John Morant and Carl Anthony Towns' fathers, T and Carl Sr. as sponsors of Wolvescast to remind all of
0: us that, hey, it's just a game. If you've watched any of the Minnesota Memphis series, you've noticed both proud fathers at each of their son's games and surely have heard about their wager that the losing dad of the series has to wear the winning dad's jersey. And while they both are passionately rooting for their son's respective teams, they haven't lost sight of what's really important. Good sportsmanship and respect for your opponent, regardless of the outcome.
1: So the next time you're thinking about talking trash on Twitter, dumping a beer on someone in a Grizzlies jersey, or slashing the tires of a car with a Tennessee license plate, think to yourself... What would T and Carl Senior do? See, uh, thank you to Carl Senior and T for sponsoring this week's episode of Wolf's Cast. Next up, more talk about the series. All right, thank you for that sponsor. As always, we love to get our bills paid. We got, uh, you know, Game Five coming up on Tuesday, and we uh, a little behind the scenes peek of Wolf's Cast. This is kind of like, uh, I'm sure there's some kind of cliche about like a team that wasn't supposed to make the playoffs where they scheduled their vacation they you know early on <laughs> uh neil and i uh, are scheduled a little vacation for this next week we're gonna go oh, down no. to disney world uh at the end of next week uh, as you may or may not know neil's a big disney fan we're both big star wars guys um, mm-hmm. usually have a once a season we play a is this an nba player or star wars character game, <laughs> quiz game so big fans <laughs> we're gonna go on the star wars ho- hotel the uh, star cruiser experience so very excited about that but that means we will be... Out of the galaxy on Friday when Game Six is going to happen, um, so uh, that'll be interesting. We're going to have to try and watch it somehow in Orlando uh, at some point. I don't. I, it won't be during the Star Cruiser experience because you're only on that. You're only in that Star Wars hotel for so many hours, and it's not cheap. So uh, we're going to have to somehow watch it maybe on like Saturday or something. But we won't be watching live, which is going to be very weird. Um, but so the next pod will probably come after Game Six, I would imagine. Um, so we're just going to look ahead to. What will probably be the rest of the series, and then hopefully we'll be back here in a week or two and have uh, a preview for the next round series but or a season kind of recap. We'll see. We'll see how it goes, but just giving you kind of a roadmap of what's ahead. Uh, but let's talk about what's immediately ahead. Going back to Memphis for Game 5, what do we think the rest of the series is going to look like?
0: Yeah, I think both teams kind of have a good idea of what each other is trying to do at this point. I don't think there's a ton of major adjustments left to be made. Um, I mean, the Wolves know that they're going to try to aggressively double cat, although they didn't do that as much in game four, but at least they're going to try to throw some different looks at him, um, not make it easy for him to just back down or drive. Um, The Grizzlies know that the Wolves are going to try to wall off jaw and get the ball out of his hands. Um, So, you kind of know what, it's just a matter of who can execute better. And I mean, it sounds really simple, but who can, who can make shots? Like the, the wolves went 50% from three, uh, in game four. I mean, that's that it's good. They're going to win games if they can shoot that well. Sometimes it's just as simple as that. Um, I just keep waiting for, honestly, I keep waiting for jaw to just, explode. Like, I don't know that the idea of the Wolves being able to contain a star player is just so completely foreign to me that I, I still have a hard time believing that they're doing it. Um, now, I mean, Ja's been distributing. He's been doing other things. Like, he had a triple-double in Game 3, but just offensively, he, he has been much less of a factor than we all thought he was going to be. Um, so, I would expect in Game 5 another tough tough grinded out type of game the Wolves do need to play a lot smarter than they have been like I think back to game four I think it was super lucky that Pat Bev didn't get thrown out for that sort of accidental slap yeah hit, punch on Desmond Bain I think they easily could have said like hey you you punch the guy, whether you meant to or not, is irrelevant. So you're it's so, out. So
1: completely uncalled for, dead ball situation and stuff. It's just like that would it's have been dumb. boneheaded. bonehead. Yeah, yeah, or I think Cat uh, trying to get that rebound and stepping out of bounds late in the fourth.
0: Yes. Oh, I was just pulling my hair out. Like why? Uh, or D'Angelo Russell? I think he is eas- that that foul, uh, that hard foul on Jaw, uh, that easily could have been a flagrant two in my mind. We've seen we've seen crazier calls yeah. than that um yeah just there were some boneheaded miscommunications there's still a lot to clean up um i mean even to the last play of the game like i was about to i was waiting for that whistle on that final desmond bane three oh yeah honestly. You just, the way things are going i felt the same way <laughs> Yeah, um, so a lot of things that the Wolves can clean up. Obviously, a lot of things that the Grizzlies can clean up. Yeah, we're kind well. of lucky because uh, it's it's the inexperience of both teams that there's a lot of dumb
1: mistakes at the end of games. So you feel yes. like a more veteran team like the Warriors or someone would just not make these mistakes.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. but I mean that's part of the fun of part of the fun of being a fan of a team that's new to the playoffs uh, for both for both fan bases. Is having those growing pains and experiencing, you know, the full palette of emotions that you get with, with, uh, with a team making it into the postseason for the first time in, you know a long time. Uh, so, and I think for Minnesota fans especially, because this is a team that they are much more emotionally invested in than the the Jimmy Butler team that was just sort of like it was. You never really got a, You never really felt any kind of emotional connection with them because you know how much they all hated each other. Yeah, and it's true. This team, it does seem like it's more homegrown talent. You know, you've got dynamic, such a likable player, an Ant. You've got Pat Bev. It's just so many more kind of appealing, interesting personalities. Um, that emotions are running much, much high, higher. I'll say just for my own. From my own standpoint, regardless of what happens, I'm satisfied with the Wolves' playoff run. Like, Obviously, I'd love them to win in six, win in seven, whatever it takes, but I think you can come out of this playoff run now knowing you at least get six games. You've had some some great games. You've had some absolutely awful games and heartbreaking games. You had the play-in game. Um, You've had some crazy stuff happen like off the court or occasionally on the court sort of protester stuff, just all sorts of craziness, media attention that you, that most of these players have never experienced before. You've gotten a lot of, you've gotten a lot out of this playoff run already and it'll be something that you can bring back uh, next year. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, So
1: I went to games three and four of the rocket series in 2018 and, The crowd was—I mean, the crowd was good in Game Three when we won, but even that wasn't close to what the crowd was like in the play-in game uh, that I went to, or what it seemed like it was from watching at home for Game Three or Four at the Target Center. I think that's really cool too. Uh, Just—I've heard a lot of national media just casually say like. Oh, and you know when they get to game three, the target centers or the fans of Minnesota are going to be going crazy. And yeah, it's just like, we don't deserve that kind of like credit until this late this season. And since the whole D Lo thing happened, like the fans have been really bringing the energy into the target center. And uh, it's just fun that the national media is like, oh, yeah, target center, tough place to play because of the crowd. You know, it's just like, wow, I've never heard that said about the target center before. So even when things were good with Jimmy Butler, you
0: know, the crowds were never like this. So. I yeah, and uh, a real even, feather in our cap. Yeah, and even just thinking about like free agency or something like that. Like now, the Wolves have something that they can actually, beyond just overpaying for somebody, they actually have a team and a fan base that they can point to and be like, yeah, we're on the rise. You can be a part of it. You know, it's not just, well, we'll pay you four million dollars more than some other team right yeah come you know play, it's
1: playing our empty arena yeah
0: exactly like it, you can actually have something to offer to to a, a quality player who might have a lot of different options and is looking for a good situation like hey you've actually got some positive stuff that you can throw out there um, in your presentation of you know what role you might have what the you know, how good the fans are, you know, that we've got young players, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I I think it's been a – it would have been such a bummer if the Wolves didn't make the playoffs that now they've made the playoffs, now they've made it to at least six games, they've got a chance to win the series. You know, the bar just keeps going further and further, and I think you've got to be pretty happy regardless of what happens from here on out.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, I th- I think like obviously we look at the Grizzlies and we say, "Oh, we really match up well against them," which has proven to be true throughout the series so far, but it's easy to forget like the Grizzlies I think had the second best record of the NBA this season and like Yeah, they did. And we're going to game 6, so it is it is a, definitely something respectful just even if it ended in game 6, it would be definitely, you know, earning some respect for the franchise, especially now that like I mean, Cat had his game, and so I feel like that's good because you didn't want us to. And who knows? Maybe if Cat fouls out early in the next two games or isn't, you know, playing very well, and we lose both those games, maybe the reputation hit, hit comes back and it's still a problem. But I feel like, especially like Game One, was such of. Uh, Oh, eye open! I feel like Ant has always been opening eyes, but to do it in the playoffs, he had such a great game one and he's been good this whole series, even though the knee has been bothering him a little bit. Hopefully it was a little scary yesterday when he walked off the court yeah, it was it because it was his right knee, which is the opposite knee than the one that's non-contact. Been sort of in yeah. Yeah. Oh, very scary. And I, and I was just saying like we've talked in the pod about how he's compensating for the pain in his left knee. If he had torn an ACL or something in his right knee, I would have just been devastated. So I was very worried yeah. about that. Um, um, but, you know, he's been great this series. I thought a funny joke. We always, you know, trash Bill Simmons on the podcast for good reason. <laughs> but apparently on one of his podcasts, he said after game one, somebody asked him, like, would he rather have Edwards or Tatum? And you know how, what a huge homer he is. And he yeah. stopped and he thought about it. and He said, I'm only going to pick Tatum because of what he's d- accomplished so far. And so, like, basically Bill Simmons is like, I'd rather have Edwards than Tatum essentially and uh, I think that's just great praise for someone who that's quite a concession
0: from a Celtics homer
1: it is charming the league everyone loves that you know and I mm-hmm. uh, just like the more national tv exposure the more exposure the whole casual fans get to Anthony Edwards is just going to bring great great attention and spotlight to this franchise because even if Cat I, I mean we all know Cat is probably the better player just because of the consistency and what we've seen this season and I think all of us expect ant to be better than cat one day but uh it's just like this team doesn't get the same attention when it's cat's team just because cat is not as uh likable or as excited exciting to watch as uh ant is who is just electric you know and that's no diss on cat there are very few players who are as likable or as electric as Ant is in the league so to see like ant just continue to you know i i, I it's just tracks his growth already as we've seen him is that like every obstacle you put in his way, he finds his way around or over it, you know? And mm-hmm. it was just, like, there was a chance he could have gotten to the playoffs and finally hit that wall where it's like, oh, he's not ready for this level yet, but he's he's not slowed down at all. He's shown us once again that, like, there's there's nothing that's
0: going to intimidate him, you know, in the way he plays. Exactly. And yeah, so, and Ant seems to have that quality, and I guess we'll find out in the coming years, but other guys seem to like playing with him a lot. Yeah. You know, they they have his back, they love him and everything and that's much more than i mean i think guys like playing with carl too but it's not at the same not at the same level as it seems to be with uh with anthony edwards so and that can be a huge that could be a huge uh asset moving forward assuming that he stays healthy and continues to improve and you know he's he's you got to think like all-star kind of level players right around the corner potentially based off of the trajectories on and yeah and that's I mean, uh, that's that's something that a lot of a lot of people are going to want to play yeah going to want to be around remember pat bev
1: on the old man in the three podcast earlier this season said that if chris paul had it wanted to play injured in the all-star game ant would have been in the replacement and i I felt that way right before the all-star game ant was at like really the peak of his play for the whole season uh the after the all-star game his knee bothered him he didn't play quite as well but uh still really well but it was just like ant was playing at an all-star level before the all-star game and so like yeah absolutely next year all-star like let's make it happen All right. Well, I think, uh, any other general thoughts about the series? I feel like we're going to have a game going forward that we'll lose because of the foul trouble. I think we'll get another game, maybe, maybe next game because of all the uh, the, uh, lobbying. I'll say that's the polite way of saying (laughs) what the Grizzlies were complaining about, but like back in Memphis, maybe I could see another one of those, like Josh shoots 20 free throws. Cat only plays like 30 minutes kind of situations. Um, so, I, and then also, like we are saying, like, man, it, Ja and JJJ, uh, you can't hold them down forever, so are they going to have a breakout game and maybe win one because of that? But the opposite, you could say, is like, well, D'Lo, you know, he's not going to be bad every single game. Yeah. Maybe he has a breakout game. So, I still, uh, I picked the Wolves in seven uh, before the series. I think that, obviously, I, I'm hoping the Wolves will do it. I think it's still a very winnable series. I Like I said, I feel like we should be up 3-1 right now, and... Um, I so I just think the series is still right there especially after tying it up 2-2. It's like anyone's game. It's going to be a very exciting final couple games. I'd be surprised if they ended it in 6 though. I feel like we're definitely going to go 7.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Initially I I uh picked Grizzlies in 6. Now I really think it's it's a coin flip right now. Both of these teams just seem to just it, it's it does have to it does come down to Kind of how how volatile some of the different players on each team are like ant he could be kind of up and down guy carl let to a lesser extent up or down guy d up or down um i mean some guy like dylan brooks desmond bain these are all guys that can go crazy uh or or they can kind of take the jaron jackson jr type approach where they've just been down the entire series and, but you know that they could, you know, their highs are high, their lows are low. Um, so it's just gonna be a matter of who can make shots and who can not make dumb mistakes and who can stay out of foul trouble. That's really been the story of all these games so far. So, but it's great television. It's great. It feels great to be a part of the best series in the NBA right now.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's been
0: must-see TV, and especially, like, as some of these series end, you know. Uh, Something tells me the Wolves are going to get a Christmas Day game this next season, <laughs> after this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, let's they it. They earned it. Let's have a Memphis-Minnesota uh, Christmas game.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd totally be down. Or any of... Pat Bev's like former teams that he has a grudge against like Clippers or maybe the Suns so he can show down with Chris Paul or sure i mean know, he,
1: whatever it, whatever it takes he's got a he's got a, a team that hates him in every time zone so whatever <laughs> scheduling matchup they want us to do we can make it work we can make it fit
0: yeah exactly
1: all right. Well, let's go ahead. We're going to finish up this episode with a game like we normally do. Uh, my game I have today is just a few quiz questions about the series so far. Uh, oh, wow. Just okay. kind of like who's, who's leading in different statistical categories. All right. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll start with this one. This was one of Neil's prediction goals for the series. So here's a little update on it for everybody uh, Who has made the most
0: three pointers in the series so far? Um,. Say Desmond Bain.
1: Ding ding! After last night's game, that one might. have Yeah, been a little that was an bit. easy one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, do you know who is second in the series? Also, the leading the Timberwolves. Uh, Anthony Edwards. That's right. He has 16. So he's yeah he's no slouch right there. He's he's breathing yeah, down no Bain's kidding. neck. All right. Who has scored the most points in the series?
0: Uh, the most points has been. That's a good. been some. No one's had a crazy game or anything. I'm going to say Anthony Edwards. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. Yes. Anthony Edwards
1: is 99 points. Uh, Desmond Bain is in second. He has 93 points. Cat is in fourth. He has 85 points. And then Job ja Mur- or Cat is in third with 85 points. And Ja Morant is fourth with 82 points. Okay. All uh, right. Yeah, Ja and Bain are kind of like the top two on almost every, uh, a lot of these for the Bruises. Yeah. Yeah. They've been really the, the stars for the Bruises. Um, all right, this is a fun one. We've talked a lot about the, the whistles. Uh, who has drawn the most fouls?
0: Who, not, draw, who, who has drawn com- the
1: most? No, no, I was—I I misspoke. Who has committed the most fouls? Uh,
0: I got to think it's Jaron Sexton Jr. That is he's, correct.
1: He's averaged That's like five a game. He uh, Through uh, four games, he has 20 fouls. So, yes, he's there averaged you go. five a game. Uh, so, yeah, and then I was, you know, kind of surprised by that. Yeah. Uh, because he's, he's four ahead of second place, which is Cat and Pat Bev both have 16. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's really ahead of the pack. I thought Cat would have more. But he did pretty good on foul trouble last night, which is maybe one of the reasons. He yeah,
0: game one there. he was good. Game four he was good. Game two and three, not so much. And then, uh, yeah, in fourth place is Dylan Brooks with 15. So Yeah, and that's surprising.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, and I wonder why he was playing.
0: You've got four of the most egregious foulers in the league. In a series, so it hasn't been that surprising that it's been yeah, that's a great so point. so bad. Got to
1: point it that way. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Uh, all right, so uh, how about minutes played? Who has played the most minutes in the series? Uh, most minutes.
0: Mm. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and guess <sighs> D'Angelo Russell.
1: Eh. Gotta got to get one run, you know? Uh, Ant, you know? Oh, okay. knee and everything. Ant is... uh, He's played 151 minutes. And then, this was kind of surprising Mm -hmm. to me, second place, Carl Anthony Towns with 146. So, even with all the... I guess the two games he hasn't been in foul trouble, he he was on the floor like 42 minutes. Right, exactly. Which is really surprising because the... Top two from the Grizzlies were Bane and Morant, and they're both in third place at 140 minutes apiece. Yeah. So it was just interesting to me that, like, you know, I think of Ant with the D trouble and Cat with the foul trouble. I was like, man, I can't believe Bane and Morant aren't closer. But uh, that's, that's the minutes played argument. And then here's our final one. And once again, appropriate for a series that has been defined by the referees in so many ways. Yes. Uh, who has taken the most free throw attempts?
0: Um. I'm going to guess, after last night, I'm going to guess Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. Oh! I uh, got to remember game one, Ja Morant. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I just, yeah, I no, just but good. then he only shot like three yesterday, so I thought maybe Cat had moved past him. Cat has gotten close. Cat has gotten
1: surprisingly close. Ja is still in first with 37 free throws taken. Cat is in second with 32. So, yeah, he's breathing out. Oh, down. okay. And then uh, next up, Ant has taken 22, Brandon Clark has taken 20, Dylan Brooks has taken 19, and Pat Pepp has taken 16. So that's where the numbers are so far. Uh, Maybe some of those numbers surprise you, maybe some of them just kind of confirm what you feel like you've been seeing. But we'll obviously take another look at those uh, whenever the next pod is. You know, like I said, might be might be two weeks and uh, maybe it'll be previewing a second round matchup maybe it'll be uh reviewing what is undoubtedly going to go down as a very successful season in all of our books i think Uh, so yeah, we'll see, uh, how that's going to happen. Maybe, uh, you'll be joining us, Robert. I hope so. Uh, we could be doing a season recap, all three of us together. That could be cool or absolutely. So, uh, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. I know there's tons of great wolves pods right now dropping because everyone's excited. Everyone's recording one after every game, it seems like. So, uh, hopefully we gave you something you haven't quite heard before, you know, a different perspective on things, but we appreciate you showing up, especially when, Uh, we're not keeping our normal cadence. You know, it's uh, a lot of us are creatures of habits when it comes to our podcasting where, you know, Oh, that pod drops on Thursday. So on my Friday walk, I do that, you know, whatever. But, uh, I know Neil appreciates it. He's in, uh, some somewhere he's somewhere with Cuckoo right now touring. He's out there somewhere. Yeah. yeah, He was going to edit this on the flight back. So, um, Appreciate you, Neil, for editing this. It's a lot less fun than doing the recording or the hosting part. Uh, appreciate you, Robert. Is there anything you want to plug or anything you want to draw attention to?
0: Hmm. You know, not really, honestly. I've just been consumed by the Wolves these days. So really I'll just say keep listening to – keep watching the games, keep wearing Wolves jerseys, keep listening to Wolves NBA podcasts, Keep protesting, uh, Glenn Taylor, everybody. (laughs) We didn't talk about that.
1: Apparently, that woman was wearing... I thought when she got tackled, it looked like she was wearing a referee shirt underneath her. Yeah, under her shirt, yeah. Apparently, her idea was she was going to... Like uh, get on the court take off her shirt and show that she's like a referee and then like call a technical foul on glenn taylor for killing chickens or something which you wow. gotta give it to her is definitely more dramatic that's creative yeah it's way more creative than the glue or the chain so uh <laughs> that's the real My
0: question was would she have award- awarded the grizzlies a technical free throw mm, that's a great question that that hmm
1: yeah, especially, like, how far could she have gotten with it? <laughs> yeah, she grabbed the ball and, like, pick a player, come on over. Yeah, like, the Grizz are like, we know she's not a ref, but also we kind of hope we can get a free throw out of this. So like, Yeah, maybe <laughs> we can fool the,
0: fool the refs, the, the, the mean- brass and Secaucus it's crazy I
1: mean the that ref I mean obviously the security guard was the MVP performance right there just taking her down right away but it's just wild that like one that she got so close like she could have hurt Glenn Taylor if she wanted to you know yeah. like, we're, we're very lucky no one's done anything violent but it's just like at once like an example of good security but also bad security like this weird and like I I think maybe Neil said it or something but like I hope this doesn't change like the rules around like letting people near, sit near the court because obviously that's an experience that the NBA has that it's better than any other sport league really is that you can sit with your feet on the floor you know
0: yeah I mean I I I don't want to you know regardless of kind of the the cause that they're championing and what they're protesting and everything it was kind of it is a little bit scary just to be like wow they got really that close and could have gotten a lot worse um you know it's like jake's graph has that shirt that says like weirdest team ever yeah and it just keeps the it just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder well Uh, i uh i've said even to the very end of the season perhaps
1: if we win this series, I'm I'm making or just buying the shirt that says Glenn Taylor roasts animals alive. You know, if we win the series, <laughs> we win the series. You have to because it's played a huge part in the series. We're we're three and zero oh in the protest games and zero oh and two in the non protest games. So
0: yeah, the protesters have been a key bench contributor.
1: They really have been. So
0: I think you know
1: once again this is one of those things where
0: giving well, us a lot more than Nas Reed has.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe maybe Nas should just protest the next game. Do it. For, yes. Do it for the team. Yeah, exactly. All right.
1: Well, we'll see who uh, shows up to protest the next game. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We will uh, talk to you when we talk to you. Go Wolves. It's Tyus' team anyway. We all know that.